Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. A quick question. I wonder how many of you uh, ever get to that place where you're like, I, I am never going to eat that food again. There's some particular kind of food, and you're like, I, I just, I got to not do it. I, it does, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't, I, I just, just I got to stay away from it. Now, I've been there before. Um, there are certain foods that they just don't sit well, right? Uh, cauliflower is one of those foods for me. I hate cauliflower. It's dumb. I know that it's supposed to be one of those foods that you're supposed to eat. I hate it. Um, some of you are going to be like, oh, Kellen, you just don't know what, what you're talking about. Cauliflower is great. No, it's not. You don't think it's great. There is no way that anybody in this room thinks it's great. And some of you, some of you get mad and you come up and you're like, Kellen, you're, that's, you were speaking just lies. I love that stuff. Cauliflower, it doesn't taste like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All right? It is not an enjoyable food. So don't try to, now, yes, it, it makes me feel gross. And so it's not hard for me to stay away from cauliflower. But there's, there's other foods that it's just not, it's not easy to stay away from. I love, anybody love the big, huge Honeycrisp apples in the fall? Like, yeah, they're the best. But I started to realize when I have a four-pound apple, it doesn't feel good in my stomach afterwards. But you got to eat them. They're only around like a certain amount of time during the year, so you got to eat them. Um, plenty of other things. I used to, man, I used to be able to eat like a whole huge, large popcorn bowl of ice cream in one sitting. I can't do that anymore. It does, it ruins my night. But some nights, uh, you just have to have more than just that little scoop. It's just that kind of night. Uh, even if it makes me feel like I'm going to die. You just got to fill yourself up. Now here's the thing. All of our bodies are different. Uh, we all react to, to different foods in different ways, but we have one thing in common. What you fill up on is going to dictate how you feel that day. There's no way around it. Now, if you like sandwiches and veggies and a little bit of chocolate for lunch and it serves you well, then you eat that, you're probably going to feel good all day. If you're one of the lucky people who you feel good eating sugar and cereal, then eat that and feel great. I do really good on the cereal part, just so you know. Uh, it, is, it is a well-balanced meal. It is the whole pyramid for me. Um, I love cereal. My wife gets so mad because she's like, there's seven boxes open of cereal. We're not doing any more. And I go to the store. <laughs> and I, I come home with like three more. And they're the three that I need. And so I open them. I don't even care. But if you fill up on things that, that sour your stomach, it's going to affect not only your overall physical well-being, but it actually starts to affect kind of your, your emotions. When when you're just not feeling well, you know, oh, like I overate, I, there, it, it just kind of affects everything for us. But when you feel good in your body, oftentimes your spirit feels good. But here's something that we, have to, we really need to realize. Every single one of us are filling up on something every single day. You, you might feel like you're, you're eating food all day long. There are days where I feel like I, I never stop eating. I still feel like a teenage kid just pounding food all the time. But here's the thing. Our minds and our spirits, they are constantly feed on, feeding on things every single day, 
all the time. But here's something crazy that many of us, we, man, we care so much about the food that we put in our bodies. We are, we're like scientists. Like, I gotta, I gotta be super careful. But then when it comes to what we put into our minds and spirits every day, it's a little different. We're not as careful about that. So how do we go about with that right kind of filling us up in the right way so that we are producing the right kinds of things with our lives? This month we're talking through this, this series called Ghost Stories. And just if you're not familiar with it, the, kind of the old English term for the Holy Spirit, if you look in the, the King James Version, it's, it's Holy Ghost. And so what we're talking about is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. What is that relationship supposed to look like? And, and one of the things that we're doing as we're talking through these stories is also talking about, um, you know, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so I have a quick video here that, that I did a, a month or two back for this series, uh, just talking about something that the Holy Spirit did in me this last summer at one point. Um, and I want you to just see the story real quick. Go ahead. Hey everybody, I want to tell you a quick story about something that happened this summer. Uh, we do this thing at our Janesville campus called Kids in the Park. And this summer there was a kid out there at the Fourth Ward Park. Uh, I've known him for a few years. Um, ever since he was in kindergarten, this kid could do backflips like you wouldn't believe. And, and this year, going in third grade, he's, he's jumping off of stuff from 10 feet high, doing a backflip and landing it. And it, it's crazy. He's super athletic. <clears throat> and I don't say this very often, but I felt like God was speaking to me. Like the Holy Spirit was saying, we need to get this kid in gymnastics. Uh, and as I was leaving the, the neighborhood that day, the, on the last day of this VBS that we do, I stopped by his house and I, I was talking to his mom, just saying, hey, it was great having your kids out there. And she looks at me and she's like, aren't you a gymnastics coach? I'm like, no, I'm not a gymnastics coach. I've coached basketball, not gymnastics. Um, and she says, I just feel like I, I've got to get him in, into gymnastics before it's too late. And it was at that moment where I was like, okay, God is definitely telling me as a church, we're supposed to get this kid in gymnastics. And so uh, I went and I started talking with people in our community, in our, in our church about it. I actually got in, hooked up with a guy uh, from the Janesville area who coached gymnastics for like 36 years. Come to find out he's been going to the, the Beloit campus of Central Christian Church. <clears throat> he gets me hooked up with his son who's a gymnast guy uh, who coaches gymnastics at the YMCA here. A long story short, we get him plugged into gymnastics. Uh, and he's going there once a week for, for this session for like eight weeks. Then somebody from our church decides they want to pay for a whole year for this kid to go to gymnastics. Uh, you know, and, and I do believe that it was the Holy Spirit that day speaking to me, telling me we need to get this kid involved with gymnastics. And I think the reason is you might say, well, why would God want to do that? Why, would it, why, why should a church pay for that? 20 years down the road, there might be a chance that this kid at, at just randomly starts thinking back to this moment, remembering that a church cared enough about him to send him to, gym, to gymnastics. And I think that that can be an awesome testimony. I'm so happy uh, that the Holy Spirit used me and used our church in that situation. It's so cool when, when the Holy Spirit does stuff like that. All right, so I, I don't know about you, but that, like, that kind of stuff gets me excited. I, I want more and more for the Holy Spirit to do that kind of thing in me and to do that kind of thing in you. Because, um, see, I think that sometimes, sometimes we get to this place where we're like, ah, oh, the, the Holy Spirit talks to other people. The Holy Spirit tells other people to do stuff. When the truth is, I think the Holy Spirit is wanting to fill each and every one of us on a daily basis 
and really there's, it's for one huge purpose. It's so that everybody might know him. That's what it's all about. And so um, I want to look here at, at some stuff that uh, Paul tells the church in Ephesus. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 uh, verses 15 through 20 to see what Paul says. He says some stuff about what the filling of the Holy Spirit actually looks like in our lives. And so I'm going to read here starting in verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. I added holy. It just says spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like how it's almost like Paul is pleading with us. Not so much with us. With Christians in Ephesus. But it kind of threw, threw them to us as well. He's pleading with Christians to live carefully. In the verses that, that preceded this passage, he was talking about living differently than everybody else lives. Walking in the light instead of in the darkness. He actually talked about not even, not even talking about the things that are done in darkness. He wants us to live a, a different kind of way. And so now he's calling these Christians in Ephesus to have a sense of immediacy in what it is that they're doing to live for Jesus. And in truthfulness, he actually sounds a little bit like I sound like sometimes when I take students on youth trips. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went to youth convention. And I've, I've trained our kids in, in youth group. And anytime we say youth convention or camp, they're all like, yeah! And I heard one of them, but I didn't hear the rest of you. Uh, but when we go on a trip like youth convention, I, I sit them down at the beginning and I say, here's the deal. Don't be stupid. That's just like, that's the number one rule right there. Don't be stupid, all right? Don't get yourself and don't get me into trouble. And that's kind of what, it's a little bit what Paul's, he's like, in, with immediacy, do something to live the, the way that you're called to live. Don't be dumb. But this immediacy that Paul pleads for um, is not about just so that we live our lives the right way so that we, we don't sin. There's actually something deeper to it that he's trying to get us to understand. In verse 16, he said, make the most of every opportunity. He's not just saying make the most of every, you know, like be as good as you can all the time. He's saying make the most of every opportunity so that people will know who Jesus is. Make the most of every opportunity to let the, the, the good news about Jesus be made known. And so that happens with our lives, that happens with the way that we live, but it also happens with the words that we speak to them. The end goal, what Paul's trying to get at here is, the end goal is always about pointing other people to Jesus. And a lot of people, man, we try really hard to be good people. We try really hard to do things the right way. Here's the truth. Anybody can, be a, anybody can actually be a pretty good person. Anybody can. Uh, super caring, super kind, super loving, all that stuff. Like, it's hard. It's hard for me, all right? Anybody can do it, though, if they really try hard enough. But for Christians, it goes beyond just being a kind person or a good person. Our actions are not meant just to be an act. You know, 
if we're not careful, we get in the place where we're, we're trying to be this person that, that everybody can look at and go, wow, what a, what a great Christian. Or we're trying to be this person that, that we think that Jesus would be happy with. When really what the whole purpose is, is that we live our lives in such a way that people will see Jesus. That they won't even see us, that they'll see Jesus. And so this is why Paul is saying it is so important for you and me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus uh, did everything he needed to do to make sure that you would be forgiven. You don't actually, you don't have to be perfect. He's not saying, Paul's not saying like you need to be really good so that you are accepted. That's all been taken care of on the cross. There's a deeper reason why he's saying we're called to a certain kind of living. Being filled with the Spirit is not for our sake. It's for the sake of the world. Spirit wants to empower us to actually make a difference in this world in a way where people will get to know who Jesus is. And so I think one of the perfect examples of what this looks like is found in the life of Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' best friends. He's one of the 12 disciples. In fact, I think you could probably say if you look at Scripture, Peter probably was Jesus' best friend of all. Him and maybe John. Yeah. Maybe John, but we're going to say Peter for today. He's his best friend. And Jesus says during the, his last supper with the disciples, he looks around the table. He's like, all of you guys are going to, you're all going to deny me. You're all going to turn away from me. And Peter, Peter looks at him. He's like incredulous, like, Jesus, how could you say that? There's no way that I would ever turn my back from you. And if you know the story, Jesus is like, no, actually, the, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, that night, Jesus gets arrested, and they take him into the public square, and they're, they're doing this trial. And Peter kind of, in a scared way, he kind of follows the crowd, and he gets, he, he gets on the outskirts of this public square, and he's kind of listening in what's going on, and three different people come up to him. And they're like, don't you, don't you know that guy, Jesus? And every time, he's like, no. No, even a little girl comes up. And she's like, don't you know him? He's like, no, what's wrong with you? And so he actually, the last time, the Bible says that he starts throwing down curses and he's getting angry. No, and then he hears the rooster crow. Sure enough, he denied Jesus. Think about how weak Peter was in that moment. He is a scared little baby. And the crazy thing about this is Jesus... In his time of ministry, he actually, he changed Peter's name to Peter, which means the rock. He said that you are going to be the rock of my church. And then the very night that he gets arrested, he is scared like the most scaredy cat little kid in the dark of night, right? He, he can't handle it. But then we get to Acts chapter 2. And this is where it gets exciting. Because in Acts chapter 2... Peter, along with all of his friends, all of Jesus' closest friends, after Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, he's, he's ascended, gone back up into heaven. Now they're up in this upper room, and they're praying on the day of Pentecost. And what happens is, the Holy Spirit comes down on them, they start speaking in tongues, and all this stuff that to everybody around them, it was like, dude, that's crazy. And they start saying, man, those guys must be drunk. And they start making fun of the disciples. Now, what is the old Peter? What do you think the old Peter would do? See, I think the old Peter would be like, no, you just didn't hear us right. We're totally talking normal, buddy. 
What's wrong with you? You're, you're mishearing us. But this Peter, man, he's, he's filled the Holy Spirit now. And he looks at this crowd, and all of a sudden, he starts speaking to this crowd of thousands of people. And 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus and are baptized that day. That right there is a picture of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To go from Peter, who was a weakling, who couldn't, who couldn't live in a way that, like, he just, he, he didn't have it in him to, yeah, I want you to know that I follow Jesus. To all of a sudden, preaching to thousands and thousands, hear the message. And they turn to Jesus. Holy Spirit wants to do in you and me the very same thing that he did in Peter. He wants to empower you and me to make a difference that brings others to Jesus. Now there's three things uh, that I want us to highlight in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. That I think really pinpoint to, to a specific degree what it is that happens in people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And in particular, three passions that actually come out in people who are filled in the Holy Spirit. Three passions that you're going to see coming out in your life. Now, I want to be clear. The Holy Spirit, when, when a person has given their life to Jesus, uh, every, every single person who's given their life to to Jesus has give, been given the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians 1.13, he says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. We've all been given the Holy Spirit. He guides us, but there's something, the New Testament is really, really clear. There is something a little bit different when he fills us. Uh, and there's a purpose for it. And Ephesians chapter 5 talks about these ways that we would become passionate people when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first passion that we see happening when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is this. You will have a passion for praising God. A passion for praising God. In Ephesians 5, 18, 19 it says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, can I say that, that that verse just it seems weird to me. Realize, he's not saying you're going you're gonna to go into church service and at the beginning of the church service you're going to sing a bunch of psalms and hymns. He's saying you're going to speak it to people. Like, that is a joy that I don't think I have in me. Just speaking psalms and hymns to people. Uh, what Paul's talking about here, he's talking about a state of being. He's talking about the thing that, that wells up inside of us. The thing that oozes out of us. I just about fell. Just so you know. It, it, I have fallen off the of stages before, people. If you don't believe me, look up White Rapper Epic Fail. And I was on MTV for that one. So. Now I can say that when it comes to some spirituality, some, some of the things that we say in, in spiritual contexts... I get uncomfortable. There's certain things that I, you're not going to find me say. I'm not the kind of person who goes around and is like, oh, God is good. He's so wonderful. I've talked about that before. Like, that's just, that's not me. That's some people's nature. That's the way they praise God. For me, I'm going to probably, when it comes to speaking praises out of God, it's going to be specific things like, man, I, I just, I was out for my run this morning and I, the, the beauty that I saw just, it, it was crazy. And I was thinking, I can't believe that God put me in this place to enjoy this. I might say things like, I am so glad that God makes funny people who can make a funny comedy routine and make me laugh hysterically. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, little things like that make me want to praise God. Here's the thing. 
those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is something in them where praising God is just the thing that wants to ooze out of them. There's no way around it. In a sense, what happens is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you give your total control over to the Holy Spirit. It all goes to Him. And see, I don't, know, I don't know if you're like me, but I have this tendency in me. I, I like to be praised. Everybody, I think, likes to be praised once in a while. You like to take some praise for yourself. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, some of that nature in us, I think, changes. And no longer am I a person who I'm desiring for, for people to see my greatness. I want all of, my, all of the greatness to be shown to Jesus. Anything that I can do. That's why I actually love when athletes are like, man, I, I do this all for the glory of God. I hope that that's the case. Every talent, everything that we have that is good in us is meant to point glory back to Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to fill us up with so that we have the desire and the passion to give praise to God like that in absolutely everything that we do. But here's a hard truth that I've seen play out throughout my life. I've never known anyone to grow in the likeness of Jesus without having a submissive heart towards God. What does that mean? Part of, part of me wanting to give praise to Jesus, it is me submitting who I am over to God. And until I put Jesus in the right place, in the right context of my life, I am not going to grow in my walk with Jesus. There's just, there's no way around it. Until we put Jesus in the proper place and until we want everything go, to go to him, all praise, all glory to go to Jesus, my life will not grow to the point that it probably should. I no longer should see that it's me who I want to make greater. Jesus must become greater. I think it was uh, John who said that. Jesus needs to become greater, I become less. One of the greatest things that we could say about ourselves. And it takes, it takes honesty about who we really are to get to that place where we can become submissive enough to Jesus that we become who he actually wants us to be. And a lot of that's done through praise. And so, filling the Holy Spirit, it gets us to that place where we want to be people who praise God. The second thing here... And that second passion that we see happening in the lives of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit is we see a passion for thanking God. Now, that's a little different than praising God, all right? We see passion for thanking God. It says in Ephesians 5, 18, through 18 and 20, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a question. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? One of the best ways that you can possibly do that is decide that you are going to be a person who gives thanks to God in everything. Don't you love being around people who are thankful people? Like there is something infectious about people who are thankful. And I think what it comes down to is people who give thanks are people who, who have kind of found a way to, to get rid of the pride in their lives. Because thankfulness is looking outside of yourself to what is good. I think it's fun to be around people who are thankful. They're not thinking about themselves. They're grateful for what's around them. And that's what Paul is getting at in this, in this passage in Ephesians. That being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not about you anymore. It's 100% about Jesus. It's about shining light on Jesus. It's about shining his glory on, on everything we do. I think that every single person is looking for something to be thankful for. 
We're looking for something. I, I saw this phrase the other day. We're looking for something to overflow our soul. I really like that. Like everything that I do, I find that I'm, I'm looking for my soul to be overflowed with something good. Um, you know, verse, I think it was verse 18. It talked about don't get drunk on wine. Now, I have to admit, I, I'm, I don't drink alcohol. So I don't know what it, I don't know what that feels like. But I've heard that it feels maybe like a little bit of an overflow of the soul when you get drunk like that. But Paul's saying that's not the way. He's saying, get filled up on the Holy Spirit. That's the overflow of our soul, what our soul really actually needs. Every other way that we're going to overflow our soul, the next day, it's, it's not going to be there anymore. Most of the things that overflow our souls, it, it's only there for a brief moment in time. Uh, it never lasts. You know, I, I, I still love football, even though my team stinks every year. I still love it. And there's something about, man, when they win on a Sunday, which hasn't happened in a while, and it like, in the moment, it overflows my soul. When they lose, it underflows my soul. I don't know if that's a phrase. <laughs> I just made it up. But the next day, that overflow isn't there. I still got to go to the same job. I still have, if there's issues going on in my marriage, I still have, if there's things going on in my body, my back is sore, my knee is hurting, it's still there. The overflow of the soul doesn't last like you'd want it to. I can be thankful when my finances are in place. It doesn't squelch my desire for more things. Everything else can overflow your soul, but it's going to eventually run out. God's goodness never runs dry. There is always something to be thankful for when we come to Jesus. Here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, even if you're in, in a moment where you're like, man, I just, there's not much to be thankful for, Kellen. There ain't much. We always have this incredible privilege to come back to the cross. I don't care what is going on in our lives. When I look at the cross and I look at what Jesus did for me on the cross, that he was willing to die for my sins, take my sin upon himself, put his righteousness on me, there is a reason to be thankful for. When I wake up in a grumpy mood about everything that's going on that I don't like, i got to point myself to the cross. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us up with a thankfulness that never runs dry. Now, if you're, if you're not a thankful person, the question is, have you really let the Holy Spirit fill you up? Some Christians, I think, treat this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit like it's actually a religious notch that they want to put into their spiritual belt. And what happens is sometimes you see people using their filling as something to beat against people who are less spiritual than them, like it's this hammer to be used. But I'm telling you, if we use this, this so-called filling, great filling in the spirit that we have like that, then we have lost sight of what it's, that we have a different filling going on altogether, and it's a filling of pride. There is nothing to be found in spiritual pride when it comes to our filling of the Holy Spirit. It should lead us every single time into a spirit of thankfulness. If we are not thankful people, we need to go back to the Holy Spirit. Say, God, fill me. Because I'm not there right now. All right, so three passions. We talked about two of them so far. First passion is a passion to praise God. Second passion is a passion to be thankful, to thank God. The third one is this. The third passion that we see happening when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is a passion for telling people about God. 
Now I'm going to be honest, we have covered this part at the beginning of this, at the, of this message. But looking back at verse 16, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is no longer like a chore that you have to tell people about Jesus. It no longer is a to-do list that you have to check off on your how to be a good Christian that I have to tell people about Jesus. It's something that wells up within us. It's something that we want in the deepest, darkest depth of our soul. We want to tell people and let people know who Jesus is. Now I'll be honest, there's a, there's been plenty of times in my life where that was not who I was. Man, back when I was younger, I was terrified to let people know that I, I lived for Jesus. When I thought God was sending, wanting me to go into the ministry, I was terrified to tell people, yeah, I want to be a pastor. Partly because I knew I was a horrible little kid. I was cocky as all get out. And I didn't want to tell people that. But something happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He fills us with a passion to want to see other people know Jesus. Because we've understood the grace. We've understood his love and his, his compassion for us. We want other people to see it. And so now I find myself praying all the time. Like, God, open up a door that this person will know Jesus. I don't care if it's me telling them or somebody else telling them. Help them to understand what the gospel is. Because that is everything that we should be passionate about. If we are not passionate about this, that is a passion that we need to go to God and ask for his Holy Spirit to fill us with that kind of passion. All right, so maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm hearing about all these things, praise and thankfulness and having a desire to let people know who Jesus is. It's not in me, Kellen. Okay. There are some ways. I think we're going to, I want to go over four really quick ways, things that you can keep in mind if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here they are, real quick, four things. First thing, turn your, turn your heart to Jesus and surrender. Turn to Jesus and surrender. It says in John seven thirty seven that Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. First thing we got to do is surrender our lives to Jesus. Second thing is this, turn from sin into repentance. Acts 2.38 says, Each of you must repent for, of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Alright, so we turn to Jesus, we repent. The next thing is we obey Jesus. Acts 5.32 says, God has given the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. If you're looking and, and going, man, I don't, I don't have these passions, Kellen, that you're talking about. Are you choosing to live in disobedience to Jesus? Because if you're choosing to live in disobedience to Jesus, it's hard to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth thing is this, pray to be filled. Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, uh, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is where the action step actually takes place. Worship team, you guys can come up. We're, we're just about done here. And, uh, but I want to I really help us dial in for a minute. This is where the constant, ongoing process needs to happen for what this filling of the Holy Spirit looks like. It's not a thing where we just say, oh yeah, I gave my life to Jesus, I was baptized, and now I am good. I got the Holy Spirit. I'm, I, I got everything that I need. This is an ongoing process of surrendering our lives to Jesus. Choosing to obey him, to repent, to obey him. Choosing to come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. 
I need, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Today, I want us to, to think about asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. Whatever that's going to look like in your life. Let's have this desire and this passion burn up within us. A passion to be people who praise God. A passion to be people who are thankful. A passion to be people who want nothing more than to see that other people get to know who Jesus is. That's what the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit filling us up is. So that we can be examples in this world for Him. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.